Welcome back to the Limehouse Podcast. How have you been? I'm okay. I'm doing well. Hanging in there, you could say. Hoish. Jeez Louise. This week is a great one. Alison Bell. This truly is a remarkable woman. Director, writer, actor. She's absolutely phenomenal. We had such fun in this episode. I was like, I couldn't. I couldn't quite believe it. At about the halfway mark, I thought I was going to lose energy soon. It's late. She's in Melbourne. It's a different time set and all that kind of stuff. I hadn't had, I hadn't had good sleep the night before. And it was just, it just kept going and going. The energy, the laughter. Oh my God. What a wicked laugh this woman has as well. It's fantastic. Oh my God. But yeah, the letdown is what she's involved with. It's a program uh, on Netflix. You can get it. Seasons one and two are, are readily available. I've, I've sort of binged the living hell out of them a couple of times. So essentially, it's about a couple dealing with their new lives as parents, and it is hysterical and pretty poignant, I would say, at times. I love. I like. It's just a laugher. It's a laugh out louder. Love it. Absolutely fantastic. And. I relate to it heavily because I'm a dad, have a family, I have struggles myself with being a father, and Laura has struggles being a mother, and also you know, it's about struggles being in a relationship as well, it's, it's fantastic, so real, so fantastic, I love it, I'm using the word fantastic because I'm exhausted, my vocab has pretty much been, been completely annihilated thanks to a, a small, I'd say about two foot high kind of like a, a little ginger firecracker that I call Pearl. That I call Pearl? She's called Pearl because that's her name. Friends of the show will know that uh, she's kind of the reason that I I struggle to put podcasts out. God, I'm using my daughter as an excuse for my own laziness. But look, yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. You're going to love it. But before before you do, do you feel like do you do you feel like this? Do you feel do you feel like hitting me up on, on the old um, Twitter, at Limehouse Pod? I mean, you've never done it before, but give it a go. And I tell you what, if you're not on Twitter, then maybe Instagram. It's the Limehouse Podcast on, on Instagram. It's pretty easy. We're, we're on there. And if you can't do either of those, and you're on iTunes, a review would be pretty solid. It would be a pretty solid thing to do. Kind of a way of paying me back, if you, if you will, if it's your fancy, your want. Because let's say you really like this conversation that I have with Alison, and you go, well, I feel, I feel like I should try and give something back. The best way is to leave a review. I swear to Christ, I swear to God, I swear it. The, it's it's so easy. It, you, you, leave a review on iTunes, and it really really helps. The review of the podcast. Yeah. But if you can't do that, then just go to somedaysardiamonds.co.uk. Somedaysardiamonds.co.uk. And check out my short film. You know, it's a good film. It's got a comedy pilot on there as well. 
It's a good website. Thank you, Squarespace. Jeez, those drag-and-drop tools really do work out. And if you want to check out Squarespace yourself and sign up, then use the offer code, the Limehouse Podcast. Don't, because we're not sponsored by Squarespace. We are, on the other hand, sponsored by Fender Guitar. That's right. Uh, I got a call from Billy Sharp. Uh, and he said, love the podcast. That chat you had with Steve Ferroni, drummer from the old uh, Tom Petting the Heartbreakers, that chat you had with Steve Harley. Oh, you know what? Here, have a couple of Fender guitars. If Just have them. So I've got a couple of Fender guitars, thanks to um, those conversations I had. God, imagine if that was the world I lived in. Can you imagine? Just... <laughs> Just, I'm just going to stumble across, stumble along with this podcast, aren't I, for the next five years? Literally, there's just like a hundred, the hundred of you that listen. I think it's hundred, I don't know, hundred and fifty. I get to in about two to three days. So there's a, the solid hundred and fifty of you. I'm going to call you the hundred and fifty. You're a very loyal bunch, I must say, because you've stuck, you've stuck with me through my laziness and my bitterness and and my tiredness. But yeah, enjoy the show, check out the website, somedaysadiamond.co.uk, don't go mad listening to me, have a laugh, laugh along with Alison Bell and William Porteous on this week's episode of the Limehouse Podcast. Laugh, because life is laughing at you. Oh, that's beautiful. I can, I can, it's so weird when you, yeah. oh God, it's so weird. You know, like the, you have that ultimate panic, not the ultimate panic. It's not like you're going to, it's not like you're going to fucking die, but it's like, oh God, no audio, no audio. And then suddenly hearing the other person's voice, it, it's like, oh my God, wow. It's almost worth the technology, like the technical breakdown, you know? <laughs> It's that 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 yeah, payoff, the <laughs> yeah, the thrill. I can hear you now. This is wonderful. Ooh, lovely. Um, it's kind of important, isn't it? <laughs> it's. I mean, it's it's not that important. I mean, I I would listen to a silent podcast. I mean, technically speaking, I've got books behind me on mindfulness that would probably go. You know, this podcast is about um, silence. So here's twenty five minutes of nothing. Wow, did you hear that podcast? It's called Shit. It's called Utter Shit and Waste of Time. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how are you, Alison? I'm all right. How are you, William? I'm all right. I felt a bit groggy this morning. You know, when you're like, every time you get a slight bit of grogginess, you think, oh, I'm going to die. That's it. COVID's coming. Uh, you know, get, get the Grim, Grim Reaper on, you know, it's on speed dial. It's just terrible. But I'm, I feel terrible. like... Yeah, imagine the ball having reacts. Yeah, those poor French bastards. Yeah, um, you listen. I've, I've, you've got to forgive me if I slip into an Aussie accent because I've been watching. I've, I've, I've watched the whole of season two of the Letdown about wow. three, about three days ago, and season. And I just thought I haven't seen season one since it came out, so I'll reacquaint myself. And um, 
and that was this morning. So now I'm just like, oh, fuck Audrey, fuck, you know. <laughs> so I'm just fucking utter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like a fucking prick, mate. You know, there's no, there's, you're gonna get sick of it. <laughs> you're, you're quite good at that. Yeah, it's really annoying. Thank you. But not many people can do it. Well, that, that I don't know because I I had um had a thing where I went on um holiday and we we holiday and ended up going like this business trip with my my wife and there were a bunch of Americans and I started doing an American accents in front of them and they just got so sick of it they just went yeah okay you just fine just speak in an American accent the whole time you're a dick you know oh my god what a weirdo anywho uh, how's how's wednesday been because you've had it now haven't you we have had wednesday it is wednesday evening at present um yeah. wednesday was another day of glorious very strict lockdown in melbourne i'm in melbourne and we're in stage four lockdown which means we have some pretty severe rules in place like are you are can, you allowed to zoom i am allowed to zoom yeah Liberty okay. to Zoom, but only allowed outside for an hour a day. Fucking hell. Um, oh, my God. There's an 8 p.m. curfew. Only one person in your household is allowed to go to a supermarket. Like, you can't both go to the shops. Um, not supposed to go with your child either. You know, like, it's very... We're in, like, full second second wave. We've got to stand walking out. So it's been... Look, we're in week five of stage four life and we're homeschooling. <laughs> oh, mate, this is unbearable. The let the letdown season three is going to be the lockdown season three, right? Where Audrey really, just... I don't want to relive this. Really. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to buy a fucking machine gun and start pra like target practicing just to get rid of the stress. <laughs> It's it's a it's a you know highs and lows highs and lows here in Melbourne. We're we're fine. Yeah. We've got nothing to whinge about. Both my partner and I have some work, which is a miracle. While our industry yeah. is you know just falling over, um, mm. like you know we're all healthy. We're fine. We're healthy, but we do yeah. have a six. <laughs> but you do have a six-year-old. Yeah. Oh my Christ. I mean, Lonely I met. Yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? I met someone when we we were flying to Sri Lanka um, a while a while ago, about a year and a half ago, and their their kid their plane was delayed in Greenland, and for hours for for a day, and their 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 six year old was amazing, literally slept through the entire thing. But then for the flight from Greenland to Sri Lanka, it cried. But I was like, imagine being in a fucking plane grounded in the middle of nowhere, and like. Uh, would that be would that be equivalent of five weeks of semi lockdown? I don't know. Like Probably. all in one, yeah. yeah. But you guys have had it hard because like, I've spoken to a lot of musicians about um, during this period of lockdown and, and how you know how how they've suffered. Um, mm. What's it been like for your industry? Because you come from both yeah both sides of the fence. It's like writing and performing. So yeah, as a writer, I'm okay. You know, you can keep going and. Um, there's been some money uh, put into development, you know, just so that something is happening in the industry. But um, the theatre, the theatre world is just, I mean, it just came to a grinding halt, of course, or public performance, like like everywhere around the world. Um, and 
And I'm very concerned about how that part of my industry will recover. Yeah. Um, particularly in Melbourne, because we've been, we're the only, Victoria is the only place that's shut down to this degree now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really worried about how people, I don't know how, you know, beyond my own intimate circle, I don't know how people actors are surviving, frankly. You know, I'm very, yeah. very grateful that I pivoted into writing, you know, many years ago because Jeez. you can't act on Zoom. Well, you can, but it's yeah. not as good what? in the theatre. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. God, Jesus. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually a Chinese. This is my acting going on. This is performing art right here. So, um, I have yeah. disproved. I, yeah. <laughs> I hope you, I hope you like it, Alison. It's for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Like seriously, because I, I, um, I, I'm a bit of a writer as well, and I've done mm-hmm. fi- filmed a, a, a little you know, indie flick and, and done yeah. this and that and the other. And I, I was exceptionally, I'm pretty, I like to think I'm a pessimist, but really, no, an optimist, but really underneath <laughs> it. I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, we're all going to die. We're, we're not all going to die. It's just industries are going to be pulverised. And there are people on like, you know, Twitter at the time going, no, 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 man, this is your time to like sit down and really write and really concentrate on something. And that was like fucking six months ago. And now they're like, I don't think anyone's going to have any money left to do anything um, except yeah. for like the major studios. And even then it's like bloody hell. But we're, in England, things are getting, well, in the UK, things are getting back to approaching like something kind of, some kind of normality within um, studios. I've got a couple of friends, a producer and a, um, and then at the other end, like a Sparky and, uh, and, a, and a, a, a carpenter. And they're kind of getting back into it. Um mm-hmm. What's it like in ours? Is is that any kind of like there are some productions starting up, like the you know with the COVID safe kind of rules um, in place? But I I worry about the money, like you you just said, like whether there will be any money at the end of this. I mean, certainly our government have been has been appalling at supporting the arts sector. Um, I, it was so lovely to read, you know, that your government poured a lot of money into the theatre industry and I don't know about the TV and film industry over there, but um, the the federal government here has sort of carved out the people who don't normally vote for them and gone, oh, we have to draw the line somewhere. So it's going to be at universities, arts workers, women, refugees. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All the people that conservatives hate basically have but missed it's... out on any sort of subsidy or... <laughs> It's, it's COVID. It's not our fault. It's COVID. Then, oh, it's so We're... upsetting to see what's happening in the, in, the, in the universities, all these jobs going. There's nothing we can do. Just They're just pouring money. They're just throwing money at carpenters. Like Basically, that's their builders. They're just throwing money at tradespeople and business. And uh, Fuck. It's, yeah, I mean, it's gross. It's, it's like everywhere in the world at the moment. We have this arch-conservative government, mm. um, you know, almost a, yeah. kind of just like working, you know, kind of doing all the, like pursuing their ideology by stealth at the moment. It's so yeah. disingenuous what's been going on in terms of how they've supported people through this crisis. Are they quite stealthy, your lot? Because our lot just seem to just bumble through it, like Boris Johnson and uh, his cohort of, of uh, reprobates are just sort of, they just, it's like, not like, I go I, I to a degree it's like Trump he kind of just keeps tripping up and no one seems to give up fuck you know 
really. Yeah. Owls are, are, are um, extraordinary gaslighters. So they, they just say black is white all the time. They just lie constantly. And no one seems to worry. You know, like, I mean, you probably, I don't know if you know, uh, read in the news when our catastrophic bushfires were happening. Oh, man, it was all so heartbreaking. And our Prime Minister went to Hawaii for a holiday. Oh, yeah, totally heard about that. That was hysterical. That was just awful. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't write this into the thick of it. Like, it's just so obscenely incompetent to walk away from your burning nation and then and then he just comes back and tells some lies and people don't seem to care and i'm like care everyone care this man is horrific he's so bad for our country oh man like seriously we've but we, you know you, you look at that and we we you know we're looking across the pond at the moment at trump and he's going to get another term there's no doubt about it and oh fuck yeah man like there's no there's no way there's that Biden great and everything, but there's no great hope there. There's no like message of hope. It's just kind of like, look what Trump's done. Look what Trump's done. He's a fucking son of a bitch, you know, blah, 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 which obviously he is. But it's just like, where's the great message, you know? And I don't think Biden can do that. Sanders kind of did that. But what's happening with you guys in Oz? Because I don't know anything about Australian politics at all, other than like mm-hmm. Pauline Hanson's a psychopath. That's all I know. Yeah, you know our best. Um <laughs> She's an aberration, but she's not that far from... She's just not as clever as the wily ones in charge at the moment. So our Liberal Party is our Conservative Party. A lot of people find that confusing. It is confusing, um, but they're called the Liberal Party, but they're in power at the moment. And they're just a bunch of... Like, the, the hard right is just seems to be gaining power. And our, and our PM is a, is a is kind of a radical Christian... And um, so there's deep conservative values permeating the government. Rocking. Yeah, they're my people. Hey, Alison, I just want to describe your face right there for the uh, listener. That was (laughs) despair. Despair. (laughs) And a lot of sadness, I think, you know, in this. Profound sadness. I mean, don't we we need leadership? We need leaders with huge imaginations right now. Big because the world is ending. Like I, I, it, it feels like we're we're at that tipping point. I mean, certainly having seen what happened here in Australia with the environment, we're at that tipping point, and we've got people. Our, our um, treasurer actually cited Reagan and Thatcher as the people who were guiding him in his, you know, right now. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> that's the that's the philosophy to get us out of this. Well, well better than like. I don't know, like better than God or something. Well, well, I don't know. Maybe they want better than God. You'd want God know. guiding you, but but then again, saying look, I pray. You know, I'm praying every night, and He's God is guiding me. It's like, wow, okay, baby. Yeah. Oh man, you know, I, do, I Yeah, because we don't really have openly uh, Christian, Catholic, whatever um, leaders in this country. So that's one thing to be grateful for. We never have. This is this is quite an anomaly. Yeah, but yeah. um. Should we should we talk about something nice? Very Yes. I meant to be a comedy writer. <laughs> yeah, I swear my feet are getting hotter and hotter as Zeus is like coming up through the floorboards. Like, mm, I smell sulphur. I can smell sulphur. I'm sorry. Yes, let's. Yeah. Speak. <laughs> um, <More cheerful. laughs> 
Where, hey, hey, uh, hey, Alison Bell, where did you grow up? <laughs> I grew up in country New South Wales in Australia, uh, a little town called uh, uh, called Grenfell, and then in our nation's capital, which a lot of people don't realise is Canberra, not Sydney. Mm. Or Adelaide, yeah, or Adelaide, Adelaide. Melbourne, uh, or Brisbane, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in Canberra, and uh, I was quite eager to move on from Canberra. Is it was it is it quite well? I mean, it just seems like everything in Australia is quite conservative than the portrait we've been painting. But weirdly, no, Canberra is not a conservative city at all. Um, however, it is where the seat of parliament is, and so it's it's synonymous with government. And uh, but it's a very quiet, beautifully manicured city with a lot of beautiful bushland built into it. Like it's beautiful. But as yeah. a as a, you know, as a as a late in my late teens, I was desperate to live in a big city. It's yeah. tiny. Canberra's tiny. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it what like uh, one hundred fifty thousand or something like a tiny little? I don't know what well, it like, is. Like now. Edinburgh. I think it's a little bit bigger, but it's, yeah. but it, it, I don't know what it is now. I think when I was living there, it was probably about 250. Okay. And, and like you, you, you just weren't getting enough from that town. But I mean, what was before you left? Like, I don't, I don't know what age you were when you left, but like, what was the, what were the things like popular culture? What was like on your radar? What were you picking up on? There was, the great thing about living in a sleepy town, like a sleepy place, I think is what happens in the arts because you've got to make your own fun, don't you? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so most people, you know, a lot of my mates were part, you know, were in bands. I was doing heaps of theatre. That was what, what we were doing um, mm. to make life interesting. And that was brilliant. It was, mm. yeah, it was really nice in those early years. But, you know, you reach that point. I was, I was eager to become, I, I was at uni there. I wanted to be an actor. There's no way I was going to have a career in Canberra, so that was never that was never even part of my, you know, picture. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Like a capital city that you've got to get out of to explore. That's quite an anomaly, I, I would say. I mean, I can't even think off the top of my head of a city, cap, you know, a capital city that. I mean, like we've got Brighton in the UK, obviously, in Manchester, Liverpool, Bristol, but like those are towns that would then sort of say you would gravitate more towards London or mm. actually gravitate out if you haven't quite made it and you kind of like, well, maybe Liverpool's got the answer for me. I mean, if the Beatles could make it there, then they can, you know, yeah. I can make it there, you know, <laughs> um, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, so I mean, what was, what was like the catalyst? Would you, because I've just been writing a bit about, um, about my life lately and I've started thinking about my granddad a bit. And he was a huge influence on me uh, in terms of acting. He took it so seriously. I think he was the only person in my life that said, acting's, you know, legit, mate. You should, you know, think about it. Like, was there anyone in your life that thought, you know, here's Shakespeare, Alison? Yeah, actually. Um, my mother was a drama teacher. So that, oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so that's a pretty clear link. Uh, <laughs> irrefutable link to the arts um, no one in my family had been a had been an actor I, I have a grandfather a great grandfather who was an opera singer and a great grandmother who was a pianist and you know people in the art back in the day but in in more recent generations they were pretty much everyone was a teacher because that's what happened here in I don't know if it's the same in the UK but here 
if you if you went to uni and you didn't have a lot of cash, you did teaching and you got you know teaching scholarship stuff. So they all became teachers. Um, but then this ne- you know next generation, we kind of did other things, and mm. I am the fool that <laughs> became, <laughs> became an actor. <laughs> Well, you, you say fool, but uh, yeah, there are a whole bunch of awards with like literally next to your name that would suggest otherwise. So it's like, uh, yeah, you did a grand job there, buddy. Um, God, geez, Louise. I mean, like, that's quite cool that you were like, your grandmother was an opera singer. That's mental. Like, what was great going on? Your, yeah. your great grandfather. God, that's yeah. amazing. Do you have any like photos of him, like all like big and in a suit and... Oh. It was very dapper looking, oh, really? but I haven't got any photos of him singing, yeah. so it could all be lies, William. <laughs> it's probably it's probably bullshit. It's probably bullshit. <laughs> Just like like my granddad, I flew thirty missions over Germany as a tail gunner in the Second World War. Do did you? Did you really? Are you sure? I mean, he's dead now, so I mean, bless him. God, re- God rest his soul. Really? I'm doing the sign of the cross. Um, but yeah, like it's it's just. It's kind of cool like that because I've always wanted to know, like, where do I get my creative um, side from? And about five years ago, my mum said, oh, I used to write loads of short stories. I used to love writing. And then I just stopped because I had kids. Uh, (laughs) What did your parents do when you were growing up? Oh, like my dad was in property management and uh, through two recessions. And my my mum was his secretary and, and also balanced bring up three kids yeah. put that in your fucking let down mate um yeah um god yeah so it's quite I, i've never really sort of traced where where things come from and even if it is hereditary i don't really know but wow. um who, who like uh when did it get going for you though like what, what was the catalyst or did you watch like a kevin costner film and thought kevin is amazing or was it david hasselhoff it wasn't, it wasn't kevin or david okay. um, although okay. i do i do love um, night rider back in the day um but <laughs> that's how old i am people but um <laughs> <laughs> uh look this is gonna sound incredibly nerdy but i shouldn't i feel no shame um i it was shakespeare it was Shakespeare. I was one of those weirdos while everyone was going, everyone was afraid of Shakespeare. You know, when you're eight, when you're about to read your first Shakespeare out of it, and everyone was like, I'm still terrified. You don't be. Anyway, I was not. For some reason, I was very excited when we were given Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> it started there. And then we have a, a national theatre company that that uh, um, is dedicated to Shakespeare. Um, and they always visited Canberra. Very few of the major theatre companies came to Canberra. They would occasionally, but Bell Shakespeare Company, no relation to me, by the way. Which I was going to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But John Bell was the artistic director of that company. He founded the company. And every year they would come to Canberra. And every year, you know, from about, you know, 14, I would go and see their work. And it was exhilarating. Sweet. And I, I remember thinking, and I also worked as an usher when I was at university, um, in Canberra, I was. I also worked as an usher at that theatre because I was a bit theatre obsessed, you know. And um, and whenever they'd say like, you know, they'd be divvying up the jobs, and whenever Bell Shakespeare was there, and they'd go, "Who wants to be on a door?" Which means you have to watch the show. You're inside. 
And people were like, oh, I've already seen it. Can I be on the bar? Like, <laughs> and I'd be like, I'll be on the door. Can I be on the door? I'll be on the door again. <laughs> just like a, you know, full weirdo. And yeah. I remember sitting there watching Henry, Henry the Fourth, I think it was, for about, or maybe Henry the Fifth, for about the, no, fourth, for about the seventh, eighth, ninth time. And I remember just watching and going, if I can make someone feel what they're making me feel, my life will be complete. That's all I wanted right. to do. I, was like, I want to be able to do that one day for someone else. Fuck that yeah. was the trigger. That's amazing. Dude, if you're still watching the same Shakespeare play seven or eight times, like, there's, you know, one, there's definitely something wrong with you. And two, you know, maybe you should see someone about it. Did you see someone about it? Or was it just, did you just let this session go? Yeah, it's so, it's so cool that you did that. Because that, like, that's almost like you retained a childhood love of, of something. Because that's what we do, isn't it? When we're kids, we watch the same film over okay. and over like right i mean i don't think i could do that now let's be honest because uh i'm old and cynical but back then i was just i was full of passion and you know joy joy so much joy back then um (laughs) but and wonder at what they were doing or and Mm. now i know now i know the tricks as in you know i've i do it for a living it's lost yeah. its shine. So I don't need to watch someone else do it seven times. You know. Yeah, you've seen behind the curtain, Alison. That's what it is, right? <laughs> Literally. So. Yeah. So, like, what what was your first get up on stage? Did you when when did you first like uh, get up on stage? And I don't want to say tread the boards because I've I've just said it, but I've said it in a way that doesn't sound twatish. So <laughs> I feel feel like I've avoided that. I don't know well if I done. have that. Well yeah. done. Um, you when did you first that? tread the boards, darling? You mean like as a professional after drama oh, school? Well, no, no, like drama school or like yeah, anything like the first meaningful like moment, I oh, suppose. When you God. thought, oh, this, this, this shit's real. Look, God, what would be the first? Oh, this is embarrassing. It's probably more Shakespeare. Like we had a Shakespeare competition. Girl loves was... Shakespeare. Ah, oh, something, clearly something wrong with me. I always thought I really was born in the wrong country, like to be honest. Like I was <laughs> <laughs> you should have been born in Stratford. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, not grateful, South Wales. Well, but, uh... I can I can take some pictures of the M40 if you like. That's the road that leads up towards Stratford. I, I'll do that for you, mate. No worries. Okay. Um, no, little nerdy me. Uh, I think I think when it really started was doing the Shakespeare competition, and and I was in Twelfth Night, and I yeah. played Malvolio, and it was thrilling. It was also comedy, you know, and I mm. love. I love making some anyone laugh. That's like oxygen. So, well, what about like, did what about the first feeling perhaps of of making someone laugh? Because I did a bit of stand up. It's, it's like a fucking drug, isn't it? Oh my god, you're you're very brave. I would never do stand. I know I am. I know I am. I'm I'm also very muscular. I'm having to wear this hoodie to stop my muscles from showing because I'm just so beefy. Yeah, it's a classic yeah. hero. I'm just talking. I'm a, I'm a cl- yeah, essentially, yeah. And I've got a Tom Petty vinyl here just to my right. Uh, and uh, that's, I'm a complete, I'm a complete hero. You yeah. are. All the things yeah. we need. Yeah. Um, what was, what was it? What, what was our question? What were we talking about? Well, the, like, oh, the comedy, like, the laughing. Well, yeah, like when, when did you first like get that, that 
I don't know, that dose of chemistry, like go off, go, go, go off in your head, like this is a drug, not a drug, but this is like, this is where I want to be. This is, wow, this is working, you know? That was also at school, mm -hmm. I reckon. I was weirdly a very shy kid and um, there was something very liberating about the stage. And I remember, I distinctly remember a year seven class where we had to get up and do uh, an improvisation. And I did something that made the class laugh. And it was yeah. like, you know, like, it, and that was sort of it. You know, I wasn't necessarily the funny one in my family. My sister is hilarious and I was kind of the quieter one. Okay. Um, but I do come from a family of laughers. We do enjoy comedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it was always there. You know, we were always yeah. watching films. We were always, you know. Um, but, yeah, I got that first taste at high school, definitely. Brilliant, man. Like, awesome. I think, sorry to ask, are you, are you like sort of your late 30s, are you? Oh, thanks. Because <laughs> I'm 30, I've just turned 39. I'm 39. Yeah, and I, I think that there's like, um, I don't know, it's quite cool to talk to people relatively, like, you know, on my, in my, in my age group about inspirations and, and, and taking to the stage for the first time or having that kind of, that thing within you it's people looking at you and you're getting a sense of gratification from it but also not in a in a, um, a an arrogant sense just in a oh my god this is what is required of from my soul like this is something that yeah. is very much from somewhat some a very dear place a, a special a special place yes. um do you still carry that with you do you think yes i still have a great desire to perform it's funny, the last few years I've done, you know, the ratio of performing to writing has been so heavily the other way. Um, I've done very little performing and I really do miss it. I really miss okay. it. I miss it as much for the colleagues, but, you know, as, I, as, as for the audience, but I, but I miss the storytelling. I love, mm. I love the storytelling. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, it's definitely still there. I thought a little while ago I was kind of, when I moved into writing The Letdown was when, when I had a baby and I was tired all the time. I still am. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Come on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at that point I kind of thought, oh, maybe I don't need to keep acting. You know, like maybe I can move into other things. Yeah. But I I do, I, I love the form. I love theatre. I love, you know. I love that kind of live storytelling, so I still yeah. have that that urge to to keep doing it. Who knows when we will after this? Yeah, thing. no, um, well, exactly. So, like with the with in terms of writing, where like because I don't want to skip ahead too far because I get the feeling like there's quite an interesting person, like um, a very interesting person behind <laughs> <you>. all that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> semi interesting. <laughs> Uh, oh God, it's too early to drink, isn't it? Yeah, it's eleven thirty up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was that vodka? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, where where did the like the the moment come when people started taking you seriously? Uh, an agent came in for you, or like a Shakespeare company said, "Hey, you know, what a great puck." Um, <laughs> uh, after drama school, so I went to Victorian. College of the Arts uh, here in Melbourne, and um, and it was when we were graduating. I got my first offer. I was very lucky. It was a, it was a one of those kind of freakish dream ways of entering 
the incredibly uncertain industry that is mine. Um, so on on our final day, like our presentation sort of day to agents and whatnot, I got a I got a call from the Melbourne Theatre Company, which is the major theatre company here, uh, asking me if I wanted to play Cordelia in King Lear. So that was sort of, um, it's sort of, you know, it all, look at this, it's like it's writing itself. It all kind of comes together. There's a strong <laughs> there at the ending. So, I, yeah, so uh, Leah was the first production and and that got me more work with that company and that work got me more work with other companies and, you know, that's how it all yeah. kind of started. But I was just incredibly fortunate to have that kick off that someone saw something in me and went, Let's give her a go. Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I must be. That must be quite the feeling. I, I went through a um, the summer. I think last summer or the summer before, where the Globe was doing uh, five pounds um, uh, tickets. That's not the weight. Obviously, they weren't. They weren't that heavy. <laughs> sterling. Sterling. And um, and oh man, I got completely addicted. I'm not going to lie. I didn't fucking understand a goddamn thing that was going on. That that's not true. Obviously, I I, I probably understood about forty five, fifty percent. But it was so addictive, you know. And and I did wonder to myself, you know, how do people make actors make money doing stage? You know, we it's don't. like one of the yeah, you don't. I don't understand how. But how do you survive then? How did you survive in those 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 years? Ah. Uh... How did I survive? I don't know, William. eBay selling shit on eBay. No, and I, I always, I always had casual jobs outside. You know, like I do it, I do a show, and I'd go back to my excellent restaurant job for a few, like for a month, and then go and do another show. Um, so I was always kind of working, um, but I think I learned. I was a student for a very long time, so I did, I did five years of normal uni, then three years of drama school. And I was used to living with not much money. Um, and I was used to, I learned how to live really well with no money. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I've always lived nicely. I just, I just have had that, and, you know, and obviously I, I haven't come I've, come, I've come from a middle class background, so it's a lot easier to live nicely when you come from that, that kind of, with that it's sort of safety. Best, it's the best way to live. But I mean, I learned how to like. I learned what treats would feed my soul for no money. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, knew what I yeah. could do for myself that didn't cost anything, that made life lovely. And you know, while my other friends were off, I, I studied law and I, I didn't practice, obviously. Um, but you know, watching my other friends go off and study and get normal pay or very well, you know, become very well paid people in the world. <laughs> 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 Fuck. And I was on my tiny wage but it didn't that has never bothered me i'm not particularly interested in money um i want to be able to i'm as i'm getting older i have kind of gone oh i don't want to live like you know i don't want to live from paycheck to paycheck all the time like that's that's scary yeah. with a kid you know but um and i don't i don't i've been lucky in the last few years so um so I don't know. I just learned to live very frugally, but without the the mean. Like that sounds mean. I I didn't have. I haven't had a mean life at all. I just didn't earn much money. But I would. Yeah. It every so often would bring me so much joy <laughs> that that was enough. <laughs> like it's 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 kind of cool. There's like a sense of nostalgia to that. Do you look back on that on those days and be like, oh man, I wish I had that cardigan with twenty eight holes in it. You know, where did that cardigan go? 
Yeah, so much op shopping, Vegemite on toast for dinner quite frequently, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still do that now, Alison, but uh, that's because I'm a failed writer and a gardener. <laughs> You're still writing. You're still writing. <laughs> you haven't seen what I write, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, it's all luck. It's so. Yeah. I was talking to a friend the other day about this. You know, people who get any sense that they're above anyone else in this game, and it's so. Um, it so quickly happens to people when they when they get a bit of success. You know, a lot of people just become arrogant assholes basically in our game. Right. And it's so not everyone. They're they're you know, wonderful, very successful people. But um it, it is so crazy how so much of it has to do with luck. And okay. and timing. So yeah. I I know a lot of exceptionally talented people who haven't had the opportunities that I've had, you know, yeah. and that there's no fairness to this game. No, God, no, it's brutal. We definitely, I definitely yeah. get, I've, yeah, totally. I mean, but I suppose one person did say to me, if you, if you can write, um, write for Christ's sake, you know, you have all the power as a writer. And I didn't understand what the hell that person was talking about. But when you came to writing the lockdown, where were you in your, in stage, in your <laughs> stage of your career and life and stuff? I was. Oh my God, I said the lockdown again. <laughs> fucking idiot i swear that's what your next series is called so it's sort of like yeah that's, that's my show <laughs> i mean it's it's in front of me okay it's in front of me right now on the television the let down in big yellow font an easy error william easy error um i was actually at a pretty vulnerable point in my career hmm. when i started writing it not when I started, actually. When I started, I was in the thick of, like, back-to-back theatre shows, working like a maniac. Um, but then I fell pregnant. And um, Yes, well done. And, um, and the industry kind of disappeared a bit for me, as in okay. all of a sudden no one's offering me jobs and, no, you know, that just kind of went, yeah. she's having a baby. You know, she's, pre- <laughs> she's prego. Get her the fuck out of my face. Well, yeah, it was. I mean, I, I can only speak from my side of the experience, of course, but yeah. it felt like everything disappeared. And that was scary. Yeah. Particularly when you go, oh, Jesus, I'm about to have a family. And all of a yeah. sudden, I've worked solidly for 10, oh, for however many years it was at that point, And it just went, <laughs> um, that was like, that was a little mime of someone falling off a cliff. Um, it was a but- good mime. It was a good mime. It looked like you were cutting <laughs> someone in half. It looks a bit, that looks psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's um, a Zoom. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, there was a very strong imperative at that point. And there were two reasons I started writing. One was out of a need to stay in the game um, because the work had disappeared. The other was a, a very big instinct that had been growing for a long time to be part of the solution to a problem rather than whinge about the problem that I perceived there to be in our industry in terms of representations of women. I was so bored, William, of reading scripts where I didn't identify with the relationships or the women that I was reading. And, you know, the script, the, the screen, especially the screen stuff, and I've, I've been, I was 
very much a theatre actress, so I only did bits and pieces of screen. It's quite divided here. I love mm -hmm. the UK in that you often see your great your theatre greats on the screen as much as on the stage. You know, here it's like, right. oh, you're a theatre actress. Mm. Um, so yeah. it's very compartmentalised, the industry here. So the things that I was getting in the door for screen-wise, I just didn't, for the most part, not the great, like, great films and the great, you know, but... There was a lot of stuff where I was going. I'm just sick of. I'm just sick of reading women written this way, and yeah. that's what started it. I just wanted to write. My sister had a couple of kids at the time. I didn't have Augie, my son, at the time that I started, but my sister had a couple of kids at that point, and I, yeah. <laughs> I was we're very close, and I was watching her going. I have never seen this on any screen anywhere. It's all been lies. It's all been lies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And like social media yeah. she's a very yeah she's a competent woman you were saying yeah yeah and yeah. it was it was a revolution you know it is a revolution i think um yeah, in any time. you know anyone's life i mean honestly for my i mean i was i said to my friend last night i'm i'm speaking with alison bell tomorrow uh the, the letdown and uh have you watched it and he was like i fucking love that and and, <laughs> and like he's like he struggles with his kid because he's um, his 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 kid needs a specific amount of things before he can sleep, and it's very, it's really it's hard. And I think a lot of because my wife and I do, um, uh, I guess through lockdown as well. But where where you know she's two now, um, uh, mm. Pearl, and yeah, I just immediately when this was available, the letdown when it was it was like oh my god, it's like this is. This is like the and not like an antidote, but this is a club, right? You created a club for the whole fucking world. <laughs> you know, that's nice. It's some yeah. of the world. <laughs> yeah, nice. I just I think people always feel. I know from personal experience. I feel, you know. I feel I, it's such an exciting thing to see someone on screen who represents something that you understand, that you've that you've lived or that you know very intimately. And, you know, any of those things. Like I remember seeing an actress on, on screen years and years ago with cellulite and that was, a, that was one of those moments that I just went, oh, like it was magic because it was real and it was like the women I knew and like the woman I was and all that stuff. And so... That's always been, that's kind of an aesthetic that I, you know, that I'm extremely committed to for better or worse. Because <laughs> yeah, you've said, no. like, I'm not winning any. Uh, the great thing is no one expects me to look decent in the world because <laughs> 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 it really lowered the bar for me, which is perfect. But, um, but yeah, that is that is my commitment to sort of, I, I really like telling stories that, are, that, that people can see themselves in because they, they come from a truth. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's the, that's what's going on, isn't it? And the other thing is really funny when, when someone creates something that's so, you know, so magnetic as the letdown is, it's kind of like, oh, well, w w how has this not been written before, right? I know. It, we were just waiting. We were, everything works very slow. I don't know what it's like in the UK, but we, everything goes very slowly here because of no money, you know, in our yeah. industry. So we, Sarah and I, Sarah Scheller, my co-writer, co-creator on this, we was we were working on this um, intermittently for a few years, and we were just 
we were just holding our breath. We were just going, any minute now, the UK or the US is going to do it. Like, like we were just yeah. waiting for the show. And now they've all come out. You know, now the shows yeah. are you know, a bunch of them and that's that's brilliant. But we were waiting for, we were waiting to be trumped, absolutely. And we so, couldn't believe that it, that after years of us in development, <laughs> it still hadn't come <laughs> <laughs> someone else is thinking of these things. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe their companies were just slower than ours in getting things done. <laughs> oh, it's, so it's, it's, uh, I think a lot of people think that, don't they, when they're writing, I'm, you know, and, and, yeah. and some people can go, I don't, I'm not, that's why I'm not going to write it because someone else is just going to write it. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I mean, what was the writing process like for you? Um, and, you know, is there hope for people like, like me? 39 uh, dad, uh, gardener, you know, part-time podcaster, you know, I mean, obviously my inner voice is like stick at it, blah, blah, blah. And there are thousands upon thousands of people like that as well. You know, who life just doesn't yeah. stop when you have a kid. Like you still want to pursue all that shit, yeah. you know, like when, when did, I guess I'm not a convoluted way of just saying, when did you start writing the letdown? <laughs> start I would have been about 33 when I started or 34 yeah and, and the letdown was the first script Sarah and I had both had completed you know we we both dabbled in stuff but we'd certainly never had anything on air we'd certainly never uh, worked as you know been hired as writers it was, it was we yeah that was the first that pilot episode was the first episode yeah I never um, and so you and Sarah were like, right, this is what this is going to be. The the core of it is going to be honesty and my experiences and your experiences. Yeah. So Sarah has two kids a bit older than than mine, which was which was perfect because she was through the fog. <laughs> and by the time I the ABC, our national broadcaster here, um, came on board when I was eight months pregnant and so when we were wow. redeveloping the pilot and writing the pilot, I had a newborn and I was in the centre of all the things. And so she had that distance, which was great. I could tell her all the the, the tiny traumas that I was living on a minute by minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking slapped. I'm fucking slapped. Yeah. Give me some sleep. So it was nice that, you know, that she had all that experience but was kind of out, a little bit outside of that that newborn thing so she could laugh more. I mean, I found everything very funny before I had Augie and then yeah. when I was redrafting with him in my arms, sometimes literally during meetings. Like literally. Amazing. <laughs> um, sometimes breastfeeding at the same time, you know, all the things that we, we do because it's, you know, that weird new mother having to work way. Um, yeah, amazing. But it was it that was all that that was all really useful. It was and and it was kind of on some level there was a catharsis in writing it all down. And um, selfishly, I got you know it was the form of therapy. But it was also a form of therapy because Sarah and I have a way of communicating certainly through the letdown where we we just try to make each other laugh. So we tell each other dreadful stories of our days. <laughs> <laughs> we tried a funny anecdote. And so whenever anything did happen that was mildly traumatic with my baby, um, I would go, ooh, how can, I, how can this be funny? <laughs> That's going in. 
What's going on? Have a cry and then how can I make it funny? <laughs> Mate, that's so great. That's almost like half of you can like legitimately go, I can I'm crying, but later Oh, gold dust. Yeah. Hello, Netflix. <laughs> well, that was never dreamed. That was never, not even yeah. in my, like, never when we were writing that stuff. Good God, no. And I think that's the thing. Like, you, you, you talking about being in your late 30s, being a gardener and a dad and a writer. Like, I, I was in my mid-30s with work drying up, having my first child, and it just, I, I just, I don't think there's any, any reason to give up when you've got stories to tell because they'll, they'll yeah. come a time when those stories kind of resonate with. But, you know, if you're coming from truth, then I believe they will resonate with others. Yeah, man, seriously, that, it's, it's that simple, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. obviously there's a way of writing it, but you're so spot on with that. It, it is just a truth. It's just, this is my truth, tell me yours kind of thing. I don't know, it's like every everybody's outlook is different so some people write from a place of really weird kind of like a corrupt soul kind of thing uh and then but then there's shit like succession which is like just uh, utterly inspiring and magical uh well not not magical that's game of thrones really um but <laughs> it, it's yeah it's something else i just I, i'd love to, I, I don't know i'd love to know the process of like when you because you're you know you're a lovely like such a humble person but and and sarah i'm taking is kind of the same when did you guys start going hey this isn't bad and maybe we should give it to someone to read and would they you know you know that kind of thing well sarah's husband is a a writer and a director tv yeah. writer director. so he he'd already kind of he was already well down the path his career well not 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 so much involved with our project or well, he did direct our project Trent O'Donnell so he direct he's our director on series all of series one and then for part of series two um but he you know when you can sort of see the path um we sort of knew what the path was and he in terms of sort of getting it into production or just creatively well just that there was there was an avenue for this kind of stuff and there were um and and we knew the steps. Like Sarah took it to a producer who she knew quite well. Well, she took she she went to the producer with the idea first of all, and he yeah. and he identified that as kind of a gap in the market as well, and went, "This is this is you know, we should do this." So that happened quite early on in in the process. So then we had their support, and and they had a long history with our national broadcaster. So again, luck, you know, that luck stuff. Sarah happened to know him. He had been working at the ABC for a lot of years and the ABC all of a sudden realised that nearly all of their comedies were male-led and written by men uh, and we walk in with a script <laughs> that's so female. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dri dripping with, yeah, breast milk, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And um, so timing, again, it was just a timing thing. The writing was on the wall around the world about women in comedy we just happened to hand them the script at that time and they went well, i think we should do this <laughs> brilliant yeah yeah that would be a bit fucking stupid and say no right i mean it's a no-brainer i mean if they'd said no or reject i mean you just been you would have every right to rip tear your hair out at that point you know 
Well, certainly in this country, because not many people produce comedy in this country. So you've got very limited options. Um, Neighbours now- is funny. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> in the wrong way. I haven't watched that in, uh, in quite, enough, uh, quite a while. Maybe it is funny. <laughs> but, it, you know, for a long time there, the ABC was the only place to take comedy, to take your comedy yeah. idea. And that's changing now with the world being overrun by Netflix and Amazons and whatevers. But um, but for a little, for a quite a long time in the history of our tele- in Australian television, you only had the ABC. Yeah. And so yeah. had they said no, which they do to so many people, you know, it's heartbreaking because every, you know, a lot of people I know take their work to them. It's great work, but there's another show that's kind of like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And that's it. That's it for all that work and all those great ideas. Oh, man, um, you appre- yeah, appreciate what you've got. I can tell that. That's uh, quite an important thing, man. I mean, like what, in, in terms of um, moving forward for you, like personally or with Sarah, I don't know, um, not necessarily like a season three or what have you, but would you would you like to pivot into, into film or is that a stupid question? I would like to do, I still am open to doing everything and anything in the industry like I, I would really like to move into producing I've done a little bit of directing and I really enjoyed that I would absolutely write a film I mean I look at my friends who work in film producing film or writing for film and that seems to take you know tack on another 10 years to what it took us yeah. <laughs> to, to get let yeah. down mate. at the moment tv seems to be where the momentum is so that's sort of where I've focused my writing energy but um, I would like to tell a discrete story. You know, there, there is this, there's been this period of, yeah, what's going to happen in Series 2 and Series 3 and Series 4 and Series 5? And certainly in American meetings, they all want to know what's going to happen up to yeah. Series, you know, however many. And I, my thinking is always, well, some stories are, are 90 minutes and some stories are 10 hours. Like, it, yeah. why does every story have to now be serialised? Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, and some outstay they're welcome because of that because of that pressure yeah. I think to be serialized now but um I would be I'd be delighted to write a film at some point there's a film I've been meaning to write for a long time and I still have only written bits and pieces of it yeah. but yeah I there's there's plenty I want to write we'll see we'll see what happens but I hope yeah, I can I- have you have you found sorry someone's just decided to start fucking smashing into our back wall whilst I'm anyway they're literally nailing a f- <laughs> what are they what are they doing who need who needs to hit that hard into a wall oh my god oh my god I don't know maybe that's the universal amount of pressure that you need to use and I'm just ignorant to it I don't know um what uh god if you were like what do, I mean because I I I you're the letdown is incredibly well at, at, at balancing absolute heartbreak and uh, in, in just hysteria, hysterical moments. Where would you where would you like to go? Would you like to in, in terms of like um, future projects? Would it be a are you done with with um, comedy or dramedy or whatever you want to call it? And, and it's like a, a pivot onto something a little more highly dramatic. I or... yes. Funny you say that. Pure drama. I would like to do. I am developing a drama for back here in Australia, and I'm I'm working on comedies 
uh, I've been living in, I lived in America for a short time and I came back uh, during the pandemic, of course. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And, <laughs> but I'm working for a couple of producers, you know, for people over there, writing comedies. And I'm, you know, I'm very excited about uh, moving into drama again because that the bulk of my theatre work was drama and nearly all of my TV, major TV work has been comedy, which is kind of funny and strange. Um, and I do like, like, I actually am a huge advocate of comedy in that I think it has enormous value to society, particularly in times of, in the times that we're living in now. I mean, how many times have you heard, I need a comedy to watch? <laughs> no one wants to watch a hard-hitting yeah. drama right now, do they? Yeah. Because we're living in one. We're living in hard-hitting drama. <laughs> so we don't need it reinforced at 9.30 at night. But um, but I do think that comedy is a trillion times harder to write. I think that's slight exaggeration. But um, I do... I Because I, I, I see comedy as writing drama plus jokes on top. And I'm like, yeah. oh, drama's just writing the drama. <laughs> <laughs> This will be a piece of cake. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, not. Really, it's not. I'm having to work really hard at drum. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just having to, you know, do just having to make people laugh is that, you know, you've done stand-up. You know how terrifying that is. And oh, not yeah. everyone has humour. And um, the pressure to make people laugh is quite intense oh, as a God, comedy. Yeah. Have, mm. have you ever, have you, do you ever watched The Cry, the Australian drama? I missed it because I was overseas. Mate, that is... That, I, I mean, I cite that not because um, because you're from Australia, uh, blah, 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 but it, it was the most intense drama I've seen uh, up to that point, I think. I, I mean, just so... It's a three-parter as well, actually. The, the acting was profoundly I, I, effective and um, the storyline was heartbreaking and just disturbing in, to such a degree, but definitely give it a give it a go because that is like uh again like why hasn't this been written and then someone writes it it's uh it's well worth it um so what's um are you allowed to elaborate at all on what it is that you are writing or i'm not really i can tell you that yeah. um it's weird that isn't it? are people in it no <laughs> <laughs> is it about people it's about people um, that's it. That's fine, mate. That's fine. As I don't get as long as it's not about robots, then you know you got me I'm not, on board. It's not very sci-fi. I can't really. That's not where no. my brain goes. It's very much. I'm writing with Sarah. We're writing a relationship comedy. Uh, I've just been writing an interactive rom-com, which has been a whole wild experience. Um, yeah. And I'm also writing a drama. Oh, you want? So and I'm writing a play, which I, I, I still have to start doing so um wow there's stuff it's been a very busy lockdown period um yeah. i'm very grateful for that obviously because as i said earlier a lot of our industry is not working and no. there's not a lot of that and what's your work ethic like i mean are you like do you do you work to two hours in the morning two hours in the afternoon two hours in the evening then boom on repeat or you just when it comes to you can you can you write through a period of when you're not feeling particularly great do you have you learned to sort of like push through that yeah, I have. And that deadlines really help with that. Um, and also having a kid. I think I became, I became so much more productive after I had a baby. Um, yeah. And just, just valuing time in a different way, I think. 
when you've got that space. And, and right now, you know, we're home, we've got my son, we're homeschooling, my partner's working too. It's about finding windows of time. So who gives a shit whether or not I feel inspired? That's the, I like, boo-hoo if I don't. Like, you've just got to keep doing the work. Like, at the moment, the, the and I'll write some rubbish, you know, and then throw it out the next day. There'll be something in there that might trigger something else. You know, it's never a waste of time to sit down and write. No, I completely agree. I'm, 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 I'm doing that a bit at the moment. Like you, you know, this is luckily, um, this is a bit cheeky, but I, I have to confess that sometimes when I've got ten minutes at work, I, I take out the old phone and get on a writing app and just, just, just write something down. Um, because otherwise, one, it's going to go, and two, yes. just to remind myself that I am, a, a, you know, not just a dad and a gardener, but, but it's like. But yeah, I think if people do find that interesting, like how successful writers work, how they do, the, how the process comes about, and and more often than not, it, it does seem like it's actually just very rhythmical. It's about routine and getting through the hard times uh, into the good times, right? Yeah. Yes, I, and I can I can go one week. I, I you know I'll do a productive hour in one day, and the next. And the next week I will work 12 hour days. Like it's, I have a very erratic system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I work a lot. I work a lot. And when I'm not working, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm dreaming. That's a massive part of the process for me. So it doesn't, that's only problem being a writer. I don't feel like work is ever done. Yeah. There's always stuff going on in my head. Yeah. Which, which is a, sometimes a problem, William. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've just written a really good drama about um, a chimney sweep. But wait, it's in space. I know I said I don't like sci-fi, but just wait a minute. Just no, maybe this isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, that banging. What, Laura, what's going on? Do you want to say hello to my wife, Laura? Quickly. Oh, yeah. Laura, say oh, hello. Hi. Congratulations on the Oh, she's on she's on the phone. She's on the phone, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. She did she did say thank you. Um you are having but she's, right, aren't I? We are, yeah, 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 yeah. You got the um the email from Ellie, right? Yes, I did, but the, no, I listened to some of the other stuff and then I heard you talking. Oh you did? About cool, wow, yeah. go you. Fuck me, no one ever does that. Um <laughs> Not even the uh, not even her. What's a podcast? Um, she's not Australian. I've got to stop doing it. It's fucking embarrassing. Oh god, it's like a childhood thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, we're expecting. So yeah, it's great. And um, found out in the middle of, the, of of an episode that we were actually like we were like twenty two weeks or twenty one weeks or something when we were thought we were way behind. So it's kind of crazy. And uh, it's going to be a Jesus baby. So it's born born twenty fifth of December. Goodness. Yeah. Goodness. So the Savior is coming. Please. Can you please yeah. give birth to the Savior? <laughs> yeah, but the th but the thing is with social media now, you know, it can save the planet in one spot. It won't have to do the Jesus thing and travel around. I mean, I don't know how much travelling Jesus did, but I mean pr presumably, you know, pff, a lazy lot of walking. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Lazy Jesus. Lazy <laughs> lazy Jesus. But I'm like basically I'll send I'll send the baby to Australia first, and then you can work Thank out you. from Australia. Thank you, because we are in the future, so best start here. That is true. That is true. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'll I will call it quits now, I guess, because you've got 
bed to think about, bedtime. And I've got to think about how the fuck I'm going to do cram all my work in today. Ugh, just I got a message from. Yeah, I, I got a message whilst we were talking from one of my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clients want to know where I am. It's like I'm talking to an an award winning writer, so um, that's where I am, pal. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Really. <laughs> it's not. It's no. that is dreamy bullshit land. That's what that is. <laughs> but I've enjoyed it a bit too. So. Thank you, Alison. Thank you. Cool. And I didn't call you Audrey once by mistake, so that's great. Amazing. Yeah. All right, mate. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, of course. Thanks. Yeah. Nice to chat to nice to chat to people in the world during lockdown. I mean, I bet. Oh, good man. God, it's it, an isolating time, isn't it? Yeah. No, it, it really, really is. It's awful. You know, one one um, episode, one podcast you should check out. It's called the Film. I think it's really based like the filmmakers podcast. They're UK based, and they um, they're fantastic, and they talk mm -hmm. to writers and and um, uh, actors and stuff. But they're really, really great grassroots people. I, I wonder if maybe or not you'd 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 be up for that. But they're um, they're they're way above me. They've got a real fucking podcast and real listeners. So like you know like <laughs> thirty five, forty thousand listeners and all that kind oh, of hoo -ha. yeah <laughs> nonsense. But yeah. Anyway, well, check them out. A, yeah, you. have a great evening. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Great to meet you. Thank you so much for your time. You're such a sweetheart. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, William. Bye. Bye.
Oh, 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 oh,